Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you by Myers & Associates, serving the Midwest with industrial maintenance products and services. Call them at 515-795-3676. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. Welcome back to another week of Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. This is Shane Vanderhart. we got Brian Myers in studio. Of course, Ron at the board. Howdy. Howdy, Ron. Good yeah. morning, gentlemen. You, you have you, you, <laughs> Do you have a good week, Ron? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Um, pretty average. Not a whole lot of weird things happening or anything like that. So. Good. Weird you thing. live for the weird stuff. Weird, weird, yeah. Well, weird <laughs> I mean, there's no weird things happening. <laughs> we know you. Well, there you go. I mean, there's all kinds of goings on at your place we, in Boone. Uh, the one special thing that happened this weekend, Mr. Roloff and I uh, partook of some Northern Lights lasagna pizza. Ooh. Lasagna pizza? Yes, and Ooh. I would like to report that it is exactly what it sounds like. It is almost a perfect wedding of lasagna and pizza all in one slice. And how, how, how does that work? Um, they've got the sauce, and they have like uh, pasta, noodles, on it's top not, of the pizza. On top of the pizza, and then a mixture of sauce and ground beef, just like you would have in lasagna, huh. and then covered with mozzarella on top, on top of the pizza crust. And Chris, order up a pizza, buddy. It's delicious. Lasagna it's pizza very good. To go. Yeah, and they are sponsors of the station. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we're gonna have to. We're gonna <laughs> shameless plug. Here. Shameless plug well, for Northern. I would Lights. tell you yeah. it's great, even if they weren't sponsors, because it was very good. <laughs> nice. I'm liking the sound of that. It, it, it sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. It's kind of, I mean, the, the weirdest pizzas have to go to uh, Fong's downtown. <laughs> uh, the, you know, I'm the, not into the, that. Oh, I love it. It's I'm like a mixture of Chinese and, and uh, pizza. Wow. So like our, our family favorites, they've got a, a crab ragoon pizza. Mm-hmm. And then I also like a f- Fongolian beef, which is Mongolian beef. <laughs> sure, on, Fongolian, Fongolian beef. beef. <laughs> and then, but uh, my 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 wife and kids don't like this as much. But uh, they got this t- uh, peanut Thai chicken or Thai peanut chicken mm-hmm. pizza. I love. Uh, I because I, I I like those those flavors, but my wife's not a fan, so I can only get that when I'm like by myself. Yeah, dang. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So you, Brian's like looking at this. You're just Brian's getting hungry. Right? I think. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk more about this lasagna pizza. I can deal with that. <laughs> and this stuff you're talking about, Vanderhart. I yeah. No. 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 Well, you're yeah. They're they're growing in popularity, man. So it, it's new and happening. I'm old school. Uh, it's there true. you go. You are. <laughs> what are we doing on the show today, anyway? Well, we've got a very special guest on the line. Uh, we, I'd like to welcome Rachel Bavard, uh, Director of Policy Services at the Heritage Foundation to Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Uh, welcome, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Republicans uh, just rolled out their, their health care reform package that's supposed to replace Obamacare. It's called the American Health Care Act. And the first question I guess I want to ask you, Rachel, is does this repeal Obamacare? So this does not repeal all of Obamacare, and that's a very important fact. It leaves a lot of the Obamacare infrastructure in place. 
And in doing so, it doesn't really fix the healthcare market. It doesn't really get at the big cost drivers of healthcare. And that has a lot of conservatives, particularly um, you know, us at the Heritage Foundation, very concerned. Okay, so what, what does it leave in place? So one of the big pieces that it leaves in place is, is called the Medicaid expansion. And if you remember when Obamacare was passed, it was, uh, the coverage was premised on this notion of a huge expansion of the welfare state via Medicaid. And this bill keeps that in place. It actually encourages states to sign up even more people for Medicaid before cutting off enrollment in 2020. And that's a big problem when you think about the fact that one of our big problems with Obamacare was that the care is really poor. Yeah. And Medicaid is the worst government health care program in America. Um, the New England Journal of Medicine did a study a couple of years ago that looked at the outcomes, the health outcomes of people with insurance and people on Medicaid, or people without insurance and people on Medicaid. And it was about the same. Oh, wow. So, Medicaid is not a great uh, solution to the problem of healthcare in America, and yet this bill keeps that par- that part of Obamacare in place, which is not only a problem from a care perspective, but it's a problem from a fiscal perspective. I mean, this is going to bankrupt the states, not to mention the federal government. Rachel, I have to say this though: whenever the GOP had been talking about replacing Obamacare over the last few years, or I guess going back almost from the beginning. Um, I was always expecting that at the end of the day, their replacement plan would look something like this. I mean, the mandate is gone. That that was something that everybody had a principial problem with. So the mandate's gone, but the pre-existing coverage stays. The Medicaid, Medicaid, let's try that again. Medicaid expansion stays in place. Um, these are things that I thought, just purely from a political standpoint, these are things that they just about had to keep in place. So, so tell me what you folks at Heritage would have expected them to do that would that would not only fix the problem, but would also be politically expedient. So at Heritage, we've always promoted a strategy that's, that's in two parts. The first is to get rid of Obamacare. You know, this bill that Paul Ryan has put together sort of repairs Obamacare. It tinkers around the edges. It doesn't really get rid of it. Our strategy was to repeal it completely and, and start fresh because Republicans don't want to replace Obamacare with Republican Obamacare. Right. A lot of Republicans want to fix the marketplace, right? They're believers in the free market. They, we know for a fact that if the free market is allowed to work in healthcare, you're going to reduce costs for everyone and make coverage more accessible and affordable. So we said, look, repeal first, and we know repeal can pass because it did in 2015. Uh, and then within that 2015 repeal bill that, that the Harris Foundation supported, there was a two-year phase-out of Obamacare. So no one lost their insurance right away. It was a two-year basically a deadline on Congress. And it said, within this two years, you really need to come up with a replacement. And so you need to debate replace because they're Republicans, contrary to this myth that there is no plan, Republicans have a ton of plans. Yeah. They almost mm-hmm. have too many, yep. right? And the sort of centerpiece of democracy is the debate and the deliberation around these ideas. You know, they can't make the same mistake that Democrats made in 2009 with Obamacare. They wrote it behind closed doors. They, you know, threw it out and, and jammed it down the throats of Congress. You know, at 7 a.m. on Christmas Eve, nobody knew it was in the bill. Remember yeah. Nancy Pelosi was oh, yeah. have to pass it to find out what's in it. You know, and, and it was a partisan disaster. They, the Republicans can't make that mistake. They need to debate, replace transparently. They need to get bipartisan involvement. They need the American people to be able to see what they're doing. Right. Um, so that's always been the solution that Heritage has promoted. So what kind of solutions do you think Republicans should st- come forward with that, that would actually help uh, lower the cost of health care? So there's a couple specific ones that you know we that Heritage has has talked about and written about, and that Republicans 
in Congress have, have put forward as well. And one of the big ones starts with, I mean, all of them are premised on allowing the free market to work, right? Again, we right. don't want to bring in another government mandate, top-down solution. We want to actually fix the market and allow the market to work. And so that starts first with changing the tax treatment of healthcare in America. Um, you all know this, and everybody knows that one of the main sources of health care for people is their employer-sponsored care. Well, the reason that's so prevalent is because employers are able to get a huge tax deduction for covering their employees. Right. Well, individuals who are buying plans on the individual market don't have that same treatment. That's and as exactly a result, right. Right. And it, so it's much more expensive. You know, there's a disincentive for individuals to purchase care. So that's a big thing that needs to change. Employers and um, indi- people on the individual market need to be treated the same. Right. Um, so that's step one. You know, step two is really allowing the states to experiment with how to offer different coverage options. And that starts with allowing them to sell and purchase across state lines. Um, you know, Ra- Rachel, with- Rachel, let's stop right there. Explain sure. to me, because that one, we've been, we've been talking about that one for decades. Mm-hmm. Explain to me why this was not in the GOP plan. Well, uh, it's a good question because it has been a longstanding Republican proposal. Right. Well, um, I just I sus- inter- interject here quick. Trump did say it's coming in phase two or phase three. True. If we can even get to phase two. That's phase right. Three. Yeah. <laughs> My concern is that we can't even pass full repeal. So I don't, I don't really know if we can actually get to phase two or three. Right. Um, but yeah, it, I suspect that it wasn't included in this initial bill just for a procedural reason. It based on the process that they want to use to pass this a budgetary procedure called reconciliation. Uh-huh. Um, they, there's very strict rules about what you can and can't include in the bill. So I suspect. I mean, it's it's acknowledged that Obamacare repeal is going to take several bites of the apple, but we know for a fact that you can go further with repeal via reconciliation than this Paul Ryan bill does. We the Congress did it in 2015. So we're hoping to see more of that. But um, yeah, purchasing across state lines is a great is a great free market place to start. Um, expanding use of HSAs, the, the health savings accounts, is is a important place to start. Um, but also, we need to get rid of a lot of these huge and burdensome insurance mandates that Obamacare put in place. And this bill doesn't target any of those insurance regulations. What just to remind some of our listeners: What are some of those? Well, there there's a lot of them, and really, it governs the types. Um, of plans that insurers can offer and how they can price those plans. Okay. One of the things that I think Republicans really want to see in the healthcare market is for to restore choice to the marketplace, right? right? Allow people to choose what kind of coverage they want. Obamacare took that away, essentially said, with a lot of these regulations, they said, look, all of these plans, you know, have to contain all of this coverage. Um, and we're you know, getting rid of sort of skimpier plans. We're pushing them out of the marketplace. But that's also why you see people not participating. For instance, like a young single male does not want to have to pay for a plan that includes a ton of maternity coverage that he's not going to use. But under Obamacare, he doesn't have the option. So he just chooses not to buy it instead. And that hurts the entire marketplace because you're driving up the cost when people opt out of the market. Right. So, you know, one thing I, 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 looking at the Republican plan, and I, I read. I've, I haven't read the whole thing, full admission, but I've uh, started reading it. I was, I was disgusted, like on the page one, because I could tell. <laughs> you sure you I, didn't get to page two before uh, you started to want to? No, hurl? no. Like first few paragraphs, I, I could tell right away this wasn't a repeal. Um, but you're know, looking at that plan, looking at the Republican plan, and then looking at Obamacare, 
and I, nobody's really addressing it's this is all about coverage insurance coverage and nobody's really addressing actual health care costs and what we could do to bring those down now i don't i don't think necessarily government's entirely the answer for that because uh, i think there's just lifestyle things we need to do but are there some things that we can do that the that government can do to help that yeah i think you've hit on the key point and the key issue with this bill, you know, maybe you should run for Congress because no one else seems to get that. But <laughs> um, the key issue in this bill is that it doesn't address the cost drivers. It doesn't address the, the causes of this, these really high health care costs. And, you know, some of the things that we've been talking about, these free market reforms, those are the things that have to happen to drive down costs. Look, we've tried it the Obamacare way. We've tried it the government intervention way, and it's not working. And part of the reason it's not working is because enough you know, many people aren't participating in the marketplace. Like, we know that mandates don't work because they didn't work in Obamacare. Um, you, we tr- Obamacare tried to force people to buy coverage um, and therefore expand that base and lower costs, but it didn't work. People just chose to pay the penalty instead. Mandates don't work. Mm-hmm. And so the best way to incentivize people um, to join the marketplace and thereby lower costs is to give them choice, is to allow them mm-hmm. to buy the plans that they want to buy, um, you know, And in doing so, be able to allow the insurance companies to price for risk. Okay. We're still talking about insurance costs, though. What about actual health care costs? Well, I think that is – those are reforms, I think, that if we ever get to a phase two, those are the kind of things that will need to be addressed. And I think part of that comes with, you know, making people or helping people to be consumers about their health care, right? Because right right now, you know, people sort of go into hospitals and they don't ask about – you know, the prices of procedures they're about to have. Right. They don't they don't shop around necessarily like you would for a car. And um, you know, we have to help people be able to do that and that goes a long way towards um providing transparency in the healthcare marketplace. Um, you know, dealing a little bit with the huge legal costs associated um with you know, doctors have to pay huge malpractice insurance. Right. Um, you know, all these things contribute. And so that's a discussion I think that that needs to be had if we ever get to a step two. I think step one is controlling those insurance insurance costs. I think also, Rachel, the way I understand it, so long as the government is neck deep in the healthcare business, which they're going to continue to be because there's this program called Medicare out there, to say nothing of Medicaid, of course, but so long as the government is neck deep in the healthcare business, we're always going to have upward pressure on healthcare costs. Wouldn't you agree? I think that's, you know, I think that's right. And I mean, if you think about it, one of the reasons that people don't think about their cost of health care is because, you know, their insurance is covering it, or in many cases, the government's covering it. And so it's not their own, when it's not their own money, people care a lot less, <laughs> Yeah. you know, about how much they spend. True. I mean, well, you know, just going to actual health care costs, it's like people, like, for instance, stop going to the emergency room so much, you know, um, it, it, it's just amazing uh, what some people go to the emergency room for, mm-hmm. uh, and you know how often how often do people go to the doctor's office when they have a cold, and then of course all they have to do is pay a copay, it, and all these all these things are you know impact cost. Um, anyway, I don't know. I didn't have necessarily a particular point to go with that, but just just no. no I think you're exactly it, it, right. I mean, a lot of obviously a lot of lifestyle choices need mm-hmm. to change mm-hmm. too. You, you cannot insulate the consumer from the cost of something and expect the cost of it to go down. Right. It's not going to happen. 
Right. And I think, you know, the whole the point about people going to the emergency room constantly, I mean, those tend to be the uninsured population. And I think there's a recognition that, you know, we do need to get more people insured. I think everybody, Republicans, Democrats agree on that point. You know, we want everyone to have coverage. The issue is how do you do that? Right. You know, and you know, the Obamacare approach was to mandate it, and that obviously didn't work. Rachel, let me ask you real quickly because we're running out of time, but let's take a, a, a brief trip down a rabbit trail. Do you think most Americans have any idea just how much trouble Obamacare is in? I mean, as I look at, uh, what is it, North Carolina, they're down to one insurance carrier there that, that's willing to participate in the exchanges. Everybody else is gone. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're going to continue to see that. And that's what, so when you see these guys talking about Obamacare imploding, this is a big problem. Do you think the American people understand that? I don't think that people are fully aware of that. And I do, and I do think that, you know, I blame the media, the mainstream media a little bit for this. But I also blame Democrats who refuse to acknowledge this. Obamacare is a policy failure. 1.7 people lost their health care last wow. year on Obamacare. Crazy. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. This is an important conversation, the one... I imagine we'll be having on Caffeine Thoughts Radio frequently as as we get updates and the bill changes. So thank thanks you for Rachel. coming on. We appreciate it. This is Caffeine thanks Thoughts. So much. This is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, this is Brian Myers of Myers and Associates. If you're involved in maintenance at a manufacturing plant, you know how costly it can be when a machine goes down. And if the reason that machine went down is because the electronic controls on it failed. It can really be problematic if those electronics are obsolete. Well, not to worry. We represent Providence Industrial Electronics Repair, and they can get your machine up and running in no time. They repair boards, drives, servo motors, light curtains, you name it. So if you need industrial electronics repaired at your plant, or if you have other industrial maintenance needs, give me a call at 515-490-2640. That's Myers and Associates, 515-490-2640. Myers and Associates, keeping your operations running. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Travis Riswold of Modern Woodman of America. Call Travis 515-883-0029 and he can help you find the life insurance you need. So on the line, we have a very special guest, Steve Myers of Cyhawk Thoughts. Steve, along with Chuck Utek, founded Cyhawk Thoughts in 2011 to be a one-stop source for Iowa and Iowa State Athletics. Uh, Steve's currently at the Big 12 Conference Tournament in Kansas City, so we wanted to talk sports, this, uh, this in particular basketball, this this segment. So welcome to Caffeine Thoughts Radio, Steve. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Always good. Hey, Steve. I know you're at the Big 12 Tournament, but let's start off talking about the Hawkeyes. Oh, okay. yes. Let's. Yeah, just uh, full disclosure here, if you don't already know it, we record our show on Friday morning, so uh, we're going to be a, a day behind, but... Uh, we had a disappointing loss yesterday for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, you know, you kind of you kind of wonder um, what a young team like that ends up doing once they get to uh, 
you know, March and, and get to the tournament and uh, kind of showed. I mean, this is a team that, that fought uh, Indiana tooth and nail at Carver-Hawkeye Arena and, and came away with the win. And, you know, and then they, they head out to D.C. and, uh, you know, they kind of hit a buzzsaw. Blackman went off on them. Uh, Indiana played a, a fantastic game. So, you know, hats off to them. But, yeah, you know, a young team and, uh, you know, they hit, they hit, uh, hit a bump. Um, when they needed it the most, but the NIT is right around the corner for them, and I think that's probably going to be best. Uh, well, that's best what it, scenario. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to ask, Dave. Can they assume a bid at this point from the NIT? Um, yeah, yeah, they, it's a done deal. Yeah, they'll be they'll be top two seeds in the NIT would be my guess. Well, other than that disappointing loss yesterday, they've actually played pretty well of late. Uh, Bohannon has been really coming on. He had eleven points, including the game winner against Wisconsin. And uh, Nicholas Bayer comes off the bench and leads the team with 14 points. And then, of course, there's Peter Jock, who's back now from his injury. Um, this is a pretty good team, in spite of what they happened are. to him yesterday. No, they are. Um, I tell you what, I am a huge Bayer fan. I love that kid. He's the type of kid that you talk to and you say, hey, you know, you guys are going to win the game, but you're basically going to have no points. You're not going to, you know, he'll take the win over any type of personal stats. Um, that's the kind of guy you want on the team. Uh, Brian, I know how much you love Dustin Hogue, you know, oh, back yeah. when Hogue was playing for, for Iowa State. The same kind of mentality. Just go up, get the rebounds, um, do all the small things, do whatever it takes to get the win, and that's what that guy does. Oh, and he can hit the three, uh, too, if he needs to. Oh, yep, he, he can do it all. I mean, if you look at him and you're like, really, this is a basketball player? But, man, he, <laughs> he's a workhorse. Well, look, they've played pretty well from time to time, and obviously they've they've played on occasion rather poorly. What what are their strengths and weaknesses, and what's hurt them this year? Well, I, I, obviously you can look at um, you know their, their strength is they can they can put up offensive numbers. Um, I, I didn't expect it uh, to be honest with you uh, at the beginning of the year that they would be that good of an offensive team, but you know I knew Jock would get his own, um, but you know everyone else was kind of unknown uh, at this point. Um, they have really good post presence with Pimsel and, and and Cook, and those guys are going to be a force down the road. Um, and then Bayer, like I said, you know, kind of being that all glue guy. And then uh, Bohannon is going to be just one of those point guards that seven seven years from now he seems to still be playing for the Hawks. You know, he's going to have that type of career. So um, that you know, strength definitely the offensive. Um, I think the weaknesses, like I said, they're just young. You know, um, okay. outside of Jock, it's a very young team. Yeah, and with young teams, usually it's inconsistency. So. Yep, exactly. So you're saying they're they're definitely going to get a, a uh, NIT bid. How do you think they're going to fare? Well, I you know they're gonna they're gonna get some home games if they do get that bid because the NIT is going to be wanting to have a game or two at Carver for sure to get some ticket sales going. Um, I think they'll do fairly well. I think they could you know they're I, I don't see any reason why they couldn't get to, to New York City and Madison Square Garden if they do go to the NIT. So they're going to make some noise in your opinion. I think they will. Um, you know, they're 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 good enough to make some noise, and 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 it's going to be a great learning experience um, for that young team. Okay, turn into the Cyclones. That that won't make you feel bad, will it? Not me. I don't know. About <laughs> Shane's over here crying. Well, I, you know, <laughs> can we talk wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got a new coach. <laughs> All right, so the. The Cyclones had a disappointing loss against West Virginia, and that hurt their conference placement and their tournament seating. <clears throat> but they had a huge win yesterday 
and uh, and then Kansas really helps us out by losing to uh, TCU. So how do you see them for the rest of the tournament? Well, um, you know, we'll like like you said, we're recording this on Friday morning. Um, you know, if I say, you know, I think Iowa State's going to win, and 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 you know, it's being. Um, you know, live tomorrow. I apologize, everyone, but I think Iowa State's, I think Iowa State's going to win. I, I think uh, they're going to take care of business. Um, TCU's not a pushover, like you said. Just ask Kansas. Yep. Um, you know, it was it was a glorious sight to be out outside of the Sprint Center and the Power and Light District with thousands of Jayhawk fans and, and the tears rolling rolling down their you know their face. It was it was a great scene. There was no um, Rock Hawk Jayhawk going on, huh? No, no, not not much at all. And then you know Iowa State fans just flooding to the entrance of the Sprint Center, Jayhawk fans pouring out, and every single Iowa State fans had their hands up looking for tickets. I mean, it was it was a fun sight. Um, I, I think Iowa State uh, will take care of business. Um, I, I do love um, Jalen Fisher, that freshman guard from uh, TCU, and, and they got really good bigs. Um, but I think uh, I think uh, the way we're playing right now, the senior leadership that Monte Morris has shown is unbelievable right now. And I think uh, I think we'll uh, we'll beat them from downtown. And so at, at the end of the day, you, you see uh, you see the clones having a good shot at winning it all. Well, that that depends on if we run into West Virginia in the championship game, and then I might well, be thinking which, a different tune. Which we may well be because I, I hear uh, Baylor got beat. Baylor did get beat by Kansas State. Somehow Kansas State has Baylor's number. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Go figure. Well, it, look, it seems to me that the bottom line with this Iowa State team is that if they're shooting well, they're going to win. But if they're struggling from the field, they'll lose. And, and they don't have a huge front line, so they're not going to get a bunch of offensive boards. They're not going to get a lot of second-chance points. They Normally they're going to have to score on the first shot that they take. What What are your thoughts on that, Steve? Well, you're exactly right. And, you know, we can talk about how they're not very good on the boards. I, I think that there's two things. A, we're not big. And B, I, Prome, I believe, sends four guys flying backwards. They want to, you know, they want to get that pace going. And so they'll send four guys on defense. We rarely have anyone that's going to be in the lane to get an offensive rebound, um, unless it's a long one. I think uh, he knows that that you know we got to keep teams from scoring on us because, well, we have the Fred Hoiberg mentality still in our in some of our players where it's like eh, defense not necessary, and so you know he sends them back. So yeah, we got to we got to score on the first the first shot, um, and, and we've been doing that. And you know with the way Monte's playing right now and delivering the ball and and just doing everything. I mean, twenty one points, ten boards, nine assists. Uh, you know, he's basically looking at the koozie voters and saying, gotcha. Yep, yep. And, and of course, Prom went off uh, in the post-game interview. That was classic. <laughs> it was. Classic. I mean, he spent a lot of time talking about the koozie award and the slight that Monte got. But, um, look, you mentioned the clones and, and defense. They're still a, a pretty tough defensive team, even though they don't have as much size as their opponents. I mean, Tim, uh, excuse me, uh, I almost said Tim Floyd there. Um, Steve Prohm has emphasized defense more, and these are kids that steal the ball a lot, and they convert a lot of those turnovers into points. I mean, you got you got to take care of the ball when you go against Iowa State. No, you do, and and, and it's their it's their perimeter defense that that's really good. Um, the interior, you're, you're you're not seeing 
uh, as much of a presence in there. Every once in a while, you'll see uh, Solomon Young go and battle some people down low or Deontay Burton. But, I mean, that's why big teams give us troubles is because we mm-hmm. have no one that can contain them on the block. And, yep. and it's, it's just been a, an Achilles heel for, to be honest with you, about the last seven or eight years of Iowa State, it seems like. Yeah, we really need some some size in the front line. It's just every year, every year I ask you, okay, who's who's coming in? And I'm always looking for the bigs. <laughs> and, yep. and, I'm always, and I'm always saying we got this six seven guy coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so where do you see the clones in the NCAA tournament? How far can they make a run? How far can they go? Well, they can they can make a run. I mean, I, you know, I hate making this comparison because. You know, it doesn't happen often, but when you have when you have a point guard like Monty Morris, when you have some shooters on the outside, and you know you got potentially Solomon Young playing, you know, uh, uh, better than his age, and you have Deontay Burton if he can get hot. I mean, it, it reminds you of maybe a couple of those UConn teams like Kimball Walker and, and Shabazz Napier, and you know the guard just put him on his back and, and they rode that all the way to championship. So. Could they do that? Yeah. Will they do that? Probably not. But, you know, they might make another Sweet 16 run. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, back-to-back years going to the Sweet 16, how many teams uh, can say that? So, I mean, at the well, end, yeah, you're right. Not a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we sure, would we like to get to the Final Four? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it it's, seems to me that, that these kids, like I said earlier, if they're shooting well, they have an opportunity to at least make the, six, the uh, Sweet 16. They do, and you know, just funny. You, you know, USA Today had us uh, now up to a fifth seed um, as of this morning. Where, if we go to the Sweet Sixteen, we would be playing in KC at the Sprint Center against Kansas. That would be fun. It'd be fun, it, and I like the idea of playing at Hilton South. But I don't really want to face Kansas again if I can avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly don't want to play West Virginia again. No, I don't want to play West Virginia either. They just. You know, but here's the thing about West Virginia. Once once they get into the tournament, it's going to be a lot different for them than when they're in the Big 12. They can hack you in the Big 12, and Big 12 refs are just like, well, that's just part of their defense. Once they get in the tournament, an ACC official is going to be like, you can't do that. You're going to see some whistles blow. Yep, exactly. Okay, we we spoke about uh, Monte just a moment ago uh, with respect to the Cousy Award. The Cyclones had a number of players that received all-conference honors this year. We also had an All-American in Monty Morris. So we got some uh, recognition there. We did. We did. Um, You know, all we want to do is complain about the Koozie Award, but he did get quite a bit of recognition. So, you know, you got to give at least some publications, you know, a a little hand there for, for doing what they did for him. But, you know, Matt Thomas had another just consistent year. That's what he is. He's kind of Mr. Consistency. Naz had a great year, and then Burton did as well. I think Burton and uh, Naz flip-flopped second team, um, according to different, like, coaches right. or, or AP. Right, right. Well, Burton really surprised me this year. I, You know, I he has done the things this year that I thought he, you know, had potential to do. And as the as the year wore on, the better he got. Well, and we and we needed him too. I mean, losing George Yang right. was was so tough on us because I mean we we funneled our offense through him for the last three years prior to, and you know Deontay had some big um, shoes to fill, and it, it took him a little while I think to get adjusted to be like okay I need to be more of a facilitator. Um, 
you know, and it, but you know what? There's not a shot he doesn't like, and and he there's good good Deontay or bad Deontay. Well, that's true, you know? but but I mean, we had to have an inside present presence. We had to have somebody that we could go to other than than Monte. You know, uh, yep. when, when we needed a score, and uh, yep. a lot of times Deontay has delivered. Well, and then now we got Solomon Young playing down low with them. Um, Bowie had a great game um, against uh, Oklahoma State. So if we can kind of do like a you know center by committee uh, and and have them all play well, that's going to bode very very well for us down the stretch. Yeah. Hey, I just want to break in because you know I'm sitting talking to listen to basketball. It's like <laughs> basketball <laughs> wrestling. What happened Iowa State wrestling this year? Holy cow! Well. One in um, one in twelve dual meet record. That's uh, my you know. I, I, yeah, and coming I, from a from a, a school with a tremendous wrestling a, tradition, right? Too. That's like yeah. wow. So you said they got a new coach. Did that just just happen? Yes. Well, okay. yeah, yeah, it, it did uh, a couple weeks back. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, and you know, I don't, I don't. I mean, Kevin Jackson's a great wrestler. You know, he yeah. was, you know, UFC champion. I just don't know how good of a coach or recruiter he was. Right. I mean. Yeah, just yeah, just because you you're a great wrestler doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach. And, and and everybody loved Kevin Jackson at Iowa State. It's yeah, just, it's a shame he couldn't be successful, but he's really struggled. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, but Iowa, uh, they're well in the NCAA tournament. Watch Gilman at 125. I think he has, he's he's going to probably win the NCAA tournament champion, championship. Well, let's hope, let's hope so. Yep. Anyway, thanks, Steve. Hey, this is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, this is Brian Myers. When I needed a better life insurance plan, I found it with Travis Rizvold of Modern Woodman of America. When I first met Travis, he wasn't like some other life insurance agents that can be pushy and try to get you to buy something. Travis just made himself available to me. That was it. He told me to let him know if and when I needed anything, and he stayed in touch. When the day came and I did need to make some changes with my life insurance, Travis met with me and walked me through several options so I could make an informed decision. Ultimately, it was the best decision for my situation. So if you need a better or the best life insurance plan for you, call my friend Travis Rizvold with Modern Woodman. His number is 515-883-0029. Travis Rizvold with Modern Woodman. He can help you find the life insurance you need. Call him at 515-883-0029. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Crosswalk Ministries with Scott Owen, who offers biblical counseling and conciliation. Give them a call at 515-292-7141 or go to crosswalkcounseling.org. And now it's time for our news segment, what we ordinarily refer to with great affection as News You Can Use. First up, this is from the Washington Post. We discussed this earlier. The GOP has released its replacement for Obamacare. House Republicans on Monday released long-anticipated legislation to supplant the Affordable Care Act with a more conservative vision for the nation's health care system. Is that sure. what that is? I, <laughs> well, this is the Washington Post we're talking That's about. That's right. 
The fact that they're not man, you know, individual mandates gone means it's conservative. There you go. Anyway, replacing federal insurance subsidies with a new form of of individual tax credits and grants to help states shape their own policies. Under two bills drafted by separate House committees, the government would no longer penalize Americans for failing to have health insurance, but would try to encourage people to maintain coverage by allowing insurers to impose a surcharge of 30% for those who have a gap between health plans. In other words, there's a penalty. Mm-hmm. 30% penalty if you let her lapse. The legislation would preserve two of the most popular features of the 2010 health care law, letting young adults stay on their parents' health care plans until age 26 living in their basements. Oh, no, I guess that's not in here. And forbidding insurers <laughs> to deny coverage or charge more to people with pre-existing medical conditions. It would also target Planned Parenthood, rendering the Women's Health Organization ineligible for Medicaid reimbursement or federal family planning grants, a key priority for anti-abortion groups. I I will say I did kind of like that last provision. Yeah, yeah, that last provision is good. No, I think you're right, Shane. There's a number of elements, as we've already discussed, that are hardly conservative here. I I, I read, again, the first page, and it's like, you're spelling repeal wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Yeah. Next up, this is from NBC News. The Trump administration on Monday rolled out the second edition of a controversial immigration executive order, which suspends immigration into the United States from now only six predominantly Muslim countries. Mm -hmm. Citizens from the affected countries, which are Iran, Somalia, Sudan, Yemen, Syria, and Libya, will will be subjected to a 90-day ban on travel to the United States. Iraq was previously listed among those nations, but it was removed from this latest uh, latest executive order after assurances from the Iraqi government of increased information sharing with the United States. The order, which will go into effect on March 16th, does not revoke existing visas approved before that date and does not explicitly apply to current lawful permanent residents and green card holders. Well, I don't know about you, Jane, I'm I'm seeing a lot of blowback on this already. Oh, of course, um, because really, it doesn't matter what he's going to do in this area. There's going to be uh, people calling it unconstitutional, even though I believe he remedied what the Ninth Circuit Court called him on and why they deemed it unconstitutional. Even though I think their argument was less of a legal opinion and more just their opinion. Well, that's kind of where I'm at. They did narrow things up, which should help a little bit. Right. But like this attorney general from the state of Washington, I think, is is still confident that, A, they're going to be granted standing, B, that they're going to win on constitutional grounds. How? Well, he seems to think that Trump's motivation, not the actual language of the executive order, but his motivation— can be brought into the into the courts, and I was just stunned to hear him say that that's that that that's you know in his mind a, a, a strong case, and then subsequent well, to that, well, for the Ninth Circuit Court, it probably is. Well, <laughs> fair enough, but it's going to have to survive more than that, right? But and and the other thing is, it presupposes, I think, a constitutional protection under the First Amendment to a non-citizen living in Syria. 
And I, I'm at a loss to understand how he thinks this is. He I seemed don't, to, I don't like, see how to get yeah, that. Yeah, like, it's like it's open and shut as far as this guy's concerned. That's crazy. Yeah, well, I, I don't get it. What liberals need to understand is not everything they disagree with, and the conservatives too, not everything you disagree with is unconstitutional. <laughs> Seriously? Right. I thought there was a right not to be offended. Right. That's in there somewhere in the Bill of Rights, it's, it's right, gotta be. It's got to be. U.S. law clearly gives President Trump the authority to do what he's doing. And frankly, whether you, yeah. whether you agree with it or not, and there's, I, I you know, I, I still question how effective, effective it's going to be. Gonna be. Um, and I'm not entirely sure uh, if there's good really going to be able to do any additional screening that's going to ally some concerns um but you know he he laws the law pretty much is clear that the president has the authority to well that's how i see these it. things but you know maybe maybe this guy in washington's right maybe the court system is such that that you can uh well, you know have the presuppositions that he has and and that uh Trump's uh, executive order is going to bite the dust. I don't know. Well, then, you know, then and this is our courts are becoming this way anyway. They're no longer courts of law, but they're courts of popular opinion. And they, they you know, emote and they vote rather than decide. Mm-hmm. Next up, this is from Daily Mail. U.S. companies added a whopping 298,000 new jobs in February, beating economists' expectations by more than 100,000. The report from ADP, a global human resources and payroll firm, provides the first hard economic numbers from Donald Trump's first month as president. Now, I thought I saw this morning on Drudge that, that, that a number that was 235,000. But either way, it's a, it, it's a big number. Right. Donald Trump tweeted a self-congratulatory note. Of course. He, he would never do that, would he? <laughs> Who would calling, have thunk it? Calling the number much more than expected. Probably said it was huge, huge, big, yes. bigly. Em- employment in the- so good, em- so good. <laughs> employment in the U.S. private sector surged by two hundred ninety-eight thousand in the month of February, with goods producers adding one hundred six thousand new jobs, according to ADP and Moody's Analytics. Construction jobs were up by sixty-six thousand in February. Manufacturing was at thirty-two thousand. So you know, any way you slice it. It the economy looks pretty good now. You've got people on the left saying, "Oh, well, that's just because President Obama handed off this this you know marvelous economy that was running on all cylinders to Donald Trump, and it'll only be a while, you know, uh, only be a matter of time before the Donald runs it into the ground." But I think uh, to the contrary, I think you're seeing business very excited about having the stranglehold of the Obama administration, you know, released. And I think that's, uh, in some respects, what we're seeing here. All right, next up, WikiLeaks dumps on the CIA. WikiLeaks on Tuesday released what it said is the full hacking capacity of the CIA in a stunning 8,000-plus page disclosure. The anti-secrecy website contends is the largest ever publication of confidential documents on the agency. The 8,761 documents and files were obtained from an isolated high-security network at the CIA's Center for Cyber Intelligence in Langley. Now, I don't know what all is in, in there, mm-hmm. but this, this can't be good. 
Um, the main thing I've seen uh, in the television reports is this business about uh, about the CIA being able to spy through your Samsung um, flat screen television. You seen that, Shane? I oh, it's it's classic. Oh gosh, that was one of the things that came out in this report. So I, who knows what all we're going to find in here before the, you know the, the dust covering up my webcam. <laughs> They're looking at you right now as you speak, buddy. Waving at them. Yeah. <laughs> Hi there. Oh, the collection of purported intelligence documents included information on CIA developed malware, such as the Assassin and Medusa. That sounds nice. intended to target iPhones and Android phones, smart TVCs, excuse TVs, and Microsoft Mac and Linux operating systems. Hey, it's Caffeinated Thoughts Radio with that, that good news. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you in a bit. Stay tuned. Your well-meaning post just blew up. That friendly debate quickly escalated into ugly insults. You figure it's time to delete it and take a sabbatical from social media. I'm Scott Owen with Crosswalk Ministries of Central Iowa, and it's time to pause for peace. It seems that the Internet has made it all too easy for people to vent their problems, proclaim their opinions, and draw others into their drama. But don't be so quick to blame the advances on social media. It is something else that's prompting people to pull the trigger on the send or submit button. Basically, this is not an Internet problem, but an internal problem. Jesus warned, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Before unplugging from technology, take time to visit our website at crosswalkcounseling.org or call Crosswalk Ministries at 515-635-5465. So do you want to take advantage of the marketing potential within social media for your company or organization, but you're not so sure how? Let me help. My company, 415 Communications, is a social media consulting firm that works with groups like yours. Go to 415communications.com or give me a call at 515-321-5077. And now it's time for our new feature on Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Due to the incredible sheer volume of material we have available, because the leader of the free world loves Twitter, today we're once again ending the show with our new feature. So... Without further delay, drum roll, please. <laughs> what? I love it. I, love it. <laughs> I, I thought we were supposed to have a, a simple crash there. Well, it was a crash. It was a crash, crash. of sorts. May I present to you the top Trump Queen of the Week? I'm still amazed at the enthusiasm of our in-studio guests. Especially given the fact that our producer seems to have lost his touch. <laughs> oh, now. All right. This one is This one is from 3:30 a excuse me, 3:35 a.m. on March 4th. Terrible. Just found out that Obama had my wires tapped. In Trump Tower, just before the victory, nothing found. This is McCarthyism. And a few short minutes later, at 4.02 a.m., same day, 
He said this. Actually, there were six tweets, I think, altogether. Yeah. But these are the two big ones. This one came at 402. How low has President Obama gone to tap my phones during the very sacred election process? <laughs> this is Nixon slash Watergate. Bad or sick guy. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is all uh, outlined in the New York Post. An Obama spokesman denied the charges Saturday afternoon. Neither President Obama nor any White House official ever ordered surveillance on any U.S. citizen, said the spokesman. Mm. Any suggestion otherwise is simply false. His statement did not address the possibility that Trump or his associates were surveilled as part of a Justice Department probe. Mm. Trump who drew a comparison to the Watergate scandal and called Obama a bad or sick guy in his tweets, did not offer evidence for his accusations. This claim, excuse me, the claims echo charges that had been espoused by conservative radio host Mark Levin on Thursday and were detailed Friday on Breitbart News. Yep, here's what I th- I- I'm thinking happened. He read Breitbart. It's like, what? <laughs> I think you're right. No, I think you're right. This- and, and tweet it out. And, okay, I, and I've been battling people on social media all week long. Not you. <laughs> yeah, people are wrong on the Internet, Brian. Um, <laughs> so wow. I must correct them. Who knew? Who knew? So it, it, it just, okay, folks, all the stories, Heat Street was one of the first uh, uh, places that, that reported on this, and then uh, the New York Times also uh, wrote National Nardin, Review then National picked Review up. picked it up. And they're all basing this on unnamed sources. We don't know who these unnamed sources are, if they even exist. They could. We don't know if these people are actually people who would actually be in the know, or if these are people who heard from somebody who heard from somebody. Well, and it's entirely possible that you're right too that that President Trump doesn't know either that right. he just read this, you know, in a blog someplace or who knows what. And you know, if he said, "Ah, oh, this is this is." irritating and then put a link to the article that would have i think that would have been mm-hmm. acceptable but no he he went for further and said they he tapped my phones in trump, trump tower. tower and we're not still sure that happened if that happened at all the basically the unnamed sources said you know a trump server not necessarily his phones. Well, so. and he does all this four short days after his finest hour when he addressed Congress. Yes. And now he looks like an idiot. And the president shouldn't be doing this on Twitter, period. Hey, this is Caffeinate Thoughts Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Well, no, we'll be back next week. <laughs> See you, everybody. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye.